podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. Today's episode 67, so I don't bury the lead for once, is going to feature my interview with Dalton Hercules Rasta, the man who is 4-0 in Bellator. He's making all kinds of waves over there in the middleweight division. I hope you guys stick around and check that out a little bit later on in the show. So our schedule for this week is as follows. We're going to have our full UFC Vegas 22 breakdown. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card predictions for UFC 260. The Q&A with the old Rhino gang, which I love every week, as we all know. Then again, just three weeks before his return to action, April 9th at Bellator 256. Undefeated Dalton Hercules Rasta is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds in Rhino. So let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. UFC Vegas 22 last night. Our opening bout was JP Bays versus Bruno Silva. I thought JP Bays, you know, he'd been on a pretty big, like, like over a year hiatus, I guess, against a tough Brazilian in Silva. Um, in the first round, Bays through like a, or Bays through like a, I think he tried to throw a high kick and he fell on his ass and Bruno kind of jumped on him and pretty much had top position uh, for the majority of the first round. In the second uh, Bruno got the takedown. He was doing some beautiful work, both on the feet and on his on the back. Uh, he had a spinning back elbow that was nice. He, Bruno had a straight right in the second that really hurt buys. He followed up, dropped him again, followed up again with some more ground and pound. Bruno Silva, second round TKO over JP Bays. That was at 125. Let's move into 135. We had Montel Jackson. Uh, got the TKO in the first round over Jesse Strader. He dropped Strader early with a right hand. Strader got back up gamely, but immediately got put back on his ass. A little bit of ground and pound for Jackson. Boom. Second, or, sorry, first round TKO for Jackson. Great win. Uh, moving into the 185-pound division, we had Trevin Giles versus Roman Delizzi. This one was a lot of low kicks early for Delizzi. Uh Giles was throwing some pretty wild stuff. A couple things landed, but nothing big. Um, there was a leg lock attempt. Kevin was really the one who got the better of Delizzi's leg lock attempt as he was punching Delizzi and elbowing him in the face. Uh, huge right by Giles. Uh, another takedown for Delizzi late. I thought Delizzi got it just based on the amount of uh, takedowns and top control he had, but the judges gave it to Trevin, which I didn't have a big problem with because he inflicted more damage. So uh, got Giles gets the unanimous decision for him at 185, giving Delizzi his first uh, his first defeat. Again, I would have given it to Delizzi, but I have no problem with Giles winning. Moving in 155 pounds, we had Leonardo de Santos versus Grant Dawson. This one was interesting, right? We had Dawson, much younger than Santos. Santos has had kind of a lot of a lot of breaks over his UFC career, but they even they even mentioned it last night. Had never lost in the octagon. Very good fighter. This one was a lot of I thought Santos not really putting the pedal to the metal, but really just kind of sticking back and you know landing a shot here and there dawson kept trying over and over for takedowns he was started out 0 for 10 uh james Krause was even pissed at him in the corner like quick over takedowns but the fighter knew a little bit better in this one took uh took Leonardo down in the third and then towards the very end of the third round started landing some shots a couple of beautiful hammer fists that knocked <laughs> Santos clean out dude with one second left his mouth guard went flying Grant Dawson gets the win via KO very late and I mean like 459 in the third uh, for him so big win for, for Dawson looking forward to seeing what's next for him all right moving into the feature prelim we had Marion Renault versus Macy Chesson 
So this one was, I again, in the first round, I thought Macy did a good job of keeping distance. But when Marion did get in, she landed. Uh, she got up her against, she got her up against the fence. I thought Marion might have just barely skid by getting the first round. But rounds two and three were all Macy. The 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 great job of keeping distance. The nice hard left hook that she landed that really busted open Maria's nose. I thought Macy clearly won the second and the third, so she got the unanimous decision uh, on that one. Uh, moving into our main card, we had, okay, so <laughs> I wrote these down out of order, so I'm going to try to get back into order. So our first fight was in the My Boys, the heavyweight division. We had late replacement Harry Hunsaker coming in for Dante Mays, or Dante Hayes. Um, here it is, Mays, yeah. And then against Bam Bam Tuivasa, Ty Tuivasa out of Australia, the king of the shoey. We didn't have to wait long for this one, dude. <laughs> Harry came out throwing some hard leg kicks, and then Ty Tuivasa just smashed him to the ground. A couple more hammer fists, got, got rid of him real early in the first. First round TKO for Bam Bam Tuivasa. I, I, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what's next for him. A lot of people online were saying, uh, book him against Greg Hardy. I've got no problem with that fight. I think Bam Bam, you know, smashes him as well, which. I would love to see. And then moving into the second fight, we had one of the more exciting ones of that with Adrian Yanez versus Gustavo Lopez. This one was pretty close in the first round, but you know, Yanez was landing better shots, but Gustavo was right in there. Uh, he was loading up more than Yanez. Yanez was doing more clean, uh, straight point A to point B striking. But then in the in the uh in the second and the third, it was Yanez looking crisp, beautiful. He dropped Lopez mid-round um in the second. And then in the third, just 30 seconds in, beautiful straight right hand or a, like kind of a check because Gustavo was throwing at that time. Yanez hit him perfectly. Adrian gets the TKO in the third. Great win for him. I got a cool question about him later on in the uh, Rhino Gang Q&A. So big win for Adrian Yanez. Now let's move into the third fight on the card. We had Montserrat Conejo versus Cheyenne Bays. This one was really weird, man. So uh, Cheyenne tried keeping on the feet very early. Montserrat got her in a uh, kind of a sweep takedown, put her in what was basically a headlock and just kept her in that for the vast majority of the first round. The second round, Cheyenne was able to keep it on the feet a little bit, was kind of piecing up Montserrat with some jabs and some one-twos, but eventually Montserrat got her down again. The, the, the second round was a lot closer, obviously, but... Again, it was the same move. And then in the third, uh, Cheyenne Bays was landing a little bit better even in the second. I'm sorry, even in the third than she was in the second. She was able to keep distance a little bit more. But eventually, once again, Montserrat grabbed her, put her down, put her in that headlock again, was letting little shots. The bell rings or the horn goes off, if you will. And the big, the big issue is, did Montserrat spit in Cheyenne's face? It kind of looked like it. I couldn't see it. Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying no. I'm not sure. I've got to look into this a little bit further. But they were definitely talking shit to each other, flipping each other off. It got a little hairy there at the end. But I've never seen that move or that technique held on to for so long. Like She was literally in a headlock for like 10 of the 15 minutes. It was unbelievable. It was very unusual. Yeah, interesting fight. All right, moving into the 170-pound division, we had Max Payne Griffin. Versus Song Kinnan, and wow, 
they came out fast, dude. They both hurt each other, but then, man, real early, uh, a right-left-right combo. My Max Griffin put Song back into the fence, down on the ground. Song went down. Griffin hit him again, but it was just, look, you know, he, the fight had not been stopped yet. It looked like it was kind of in the back of the head, but I think the damage had already been done. So I think Kidan Song was already out. Griffin gets the first round uh, knockout. Wow. What what an amazing performance by the uh, by the former Team Alpha male guy, Max Griffin. Or maybe he is still a Team Alpha male. I don't think he moved gyms. Uh, moving into the now, the main event. Because unfortunately, our co-main event was canceled. Gregor Gillespie versus Brad Riddell got, got canceled due to COVID protocols. So we're moving right into our main event. We had Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson. It, early in the first round, Holland slipped. He threw he was throwing something, he slipped. Derek Brunson jumped on him landed elbows and some other punches from the top. Literally, that was kind of the the story for the entire rest of the fight. It was it was Kevin Holland talking a bunch of stuff, laughing, playing around. When they were on the feet, was getting the better of Derek, but Derek was always able to take him down. Derek was able to hold top position a lot of the time. He wasn't landing anything devastating, but was throwing shots enough to where he to keep from getting stood up. Um, it was a one side of affair. It was 50 to 45. The unanimous decision went to Derek Brunson with the big win over Kevin Holland, who, you know, it's one of those deals where he's going to have to figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to learn how to get up off of his back and really put forth the time and the effort to be able to be able to become very proficient in that? Or does he want to just keep doing what he does? I don't know. We have a question about that, the Rhino gang as well. So again, unanimous decision for Derek Brunson in the main event of last night's UFC Vegas 22. Okay. D. Reigns, why don't we go ahead and give Dre a call for her world-famous drop of the night. All righty, folks, let's go ahead and get into our world-famous Dre's drop of the night. We are joined again once again by my – we're joined again once again? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll go with that. <laughs> Dre, we had a whole slew of beautiful drops last night. Which one did you decide on for your world-famous Dre's drop of the night? Drop of the night. This week's drop of the night is going to come from Song Kinan versus Max Griffin. Holy shit, that was a beautiful knockout. Um, Max backs Song up toward the cage, and while backing him up, he throws this one-two at him that just caught him perfectly on the chin. Drops into the canvas. Uh, it was so clean, and it just happened so fast. Uh had me jump up from my chair. I mean, I was so excited for it. Um, so I got to give my California boy some love. Max Griffin, you get Dre's drop of the night. As far as you know, he's still with Team Alpha Male, isn't he? Or did he switch as, gyms? You... As far as I know, I think he is. Yeah, I, I, I heard of him too, I, when I was doing the breakdown of his fight, I was like, I think, I think he's still with Team Alpha Male. I know he's still in Sacramento, so that would make sense. All right, so that's a world-famous Dre's drop of the night. Over to our guy. Max Payne Griffin. Moving into next week's UFC 260 pay-per-view, we have our main card predictions and picks we're going to give out right now. So, Dre, I'm going to go ahead and start with Alonzo Menafield versus William Knight. I've got Alonzo Menafield. Boy, these are two really strong, tough guys. Yeah. i got Alonzo Menafield winning by second round TKO. What's your call on that one? <laughs> exactly the same. I actually threw, have um, Alonzo taken it by. I put actually I said a KO. I didn't say TKO, um, but round two. So Alonzo KO round two. Alrighty, moving to our next one, we've got Kama Worthy versus Jamie Malarkey. I think Kama is going to get the clean KO in the third round over Jamie Malarkey. What about you? 
Um, I'm taking Coma Worthy, but I think it's going to be a back and forth all the way to the end, and I, I'm giving Coma the unanimous decision. All right, moving into Love Him or Hate Him, Sugar Sean O'Malley versus <laughs> Thomas Almeida. Uh, my my heart is Thomas Almeida all day. I think Sean O'Malley is probably going to win. I've got him winning via sub in the second round triangle choke over Thomas Almeida. So I've got sub triangle choke for Sugar Sean, second round. What's your call on that one? Uh, I didn't even – I really want Thomas to win, but I think you're right. I'm. I'm going Sean O'Malley um, as well, but I'm just going to go unanimous decision for Sean. Okay. Moving into Vincente Luque versus Tyron Woodley. I got Vincente Luque winning a very clear unanimous decision over Tyron Woodley. I think uh, on the feet, he's going to kind of be just enough better than Tyron. I think Tyron's going to try to take the, take the fight down. I don't see it happening very often. I got Vincente Luque winning a clear-cut unanimous decision over Tyron Woodley. And via, just so you know, I asked a question <laughs> not only to Juice's podcast, but to Shots Fired about what's next for T. Woodley. I think if he loses, he hangs him up or at least leaves the UFC for another promotion. So Vincente Luque, unanimous decision over T. Wood. What about you? I'm taking Vicente Luque, but I think he um, is going to stop him in the third round. I'm taking round three TKO for Vicente. Sadly, next would have been Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian T.C. Ortega. I'm otherwise so known as sad. Your, otherwise known as your boyfriend. <laughs> I'm the so sad. The fight has been canceled because Alex has tested positive COVID. for COVID. So yeah. the Rona rears her ugly head yet again in our UFC world. So that fight is off. So we're going to go ahead and move into the Rhino's favorite fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Francis, the predator and Ganu. I like Stipe too. I always have. However, you're fighting literally my favorite fighter on the roster. Mm-hmm. I've got Francis second round clean KO in the rematch, new heavyweight champion and new the predator Francis and Ganu over Stipe Miocic second round clean KO from a, Incredible punch. I don't know if it's going to be left or the right hand. I'm guessing the right. So KO yeah. in the second for him. What about you? Um, I'm loving me from Francis and Ganyo as well. Uh, and I, this is such a tough one for me because if it goes the distance, I think Stupe would get the better of him. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going Francis in a third round KO. All righty. So let's go ahead and jump into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from my dear homie, Scott Nolan from down in Houston. Scott Nolan, what do you got for us, my man? What up, Rhino Andrea? Hope y'all are doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Rhino, I'd love to hear you just go off about Adrian Yanez. So I guess, what do you think his ceiling is? Is he the most exciting current prospect? And who do you think is a good matchup for him next? I'm shocked, Scott, that you would pick a local Houston fighter to ask this question about. <laughs> I can't believe my ears, but we'll go ahead and go forward anyway. Uh, dude, as far as is he the most exciting prospect? And that's that's really relative. I don't I don't know if he's the most exciting. He's definitely a very exciting prospect, but 135 is so doggone deep, dude. Um, I think his ceiling is very high, but I'm not going to speculate too hard on his ceiling yet because I need to see him fight a couple more times, right? That's where I can give like a true assessment. The kid is very skilled. I love his attitude. I love his 
work ethic. I, I mean, there's real. I got nothing bad to say about the guy. I just want to see him get a couple more high-level fights before I can kind of give me that full you know, true assessment of where I see him going in the future. There's a couple of fighters that I came up with that I would like to see him go against next. The first one is Jimmy Rivera, right? The second one is Casey Kenny. Both are in the top 20, so they're right ahead of him. Um, we, we'd like to, I'd like to see anyway, Adrian's takedown defense, right? And if you were to fight Jimmy, you know Jimmy's a really good wrestler and he's looking for a takedown. So that would be a question that we could answer with that fight. If he were to fight someone like Casey Kenny, who is extremely, you know, a high pressure fighter and is in your face all night and a good striker, um, who has great cardio, that would answer some more questions about Adrian going all the way through, being able to keep a high level pace. So either one of those guys would answer a lot of questions for me as far as the ceiling of Adrian Yanez. But again, where he stands right now, I couldn't say enough good things about the guy. I really want to see him do well. So that's my answer on that one. Thank you very much our dear friend and new dad, Scott Nolan. I hope you're having a great weekend with that little princess of yours, buddy. And I hope we, uh, we hope to hear from you again next week. We love having you on. All right. Next one comes from our girl, the scream queen supreme Jess from also in Texas. Jess, what do you got for us this week? Kevin Holland can be a problem if his wrestling defense was on point, but it looked horrible and the talking seems to be excessive. He was not even letting his corner talk without talking over them. Do you see Kevin improving or staying on this level because he seems to be very in control of who says what to him and that can be dangerous? I want to preface my answer, Jess, by saying that for those of you who don't know who was in Kevin Holland's corner, that is Travis Luter. Okay. <laughs> Travis Luter is one of the best jujitsu coaches in the world. Fantastic fighter, fantastic jujitsu practitioner. If there's anybody to listen to and you're getting taken down a lot, it might be him, right? So that is what I'm going to preface that and make that real clear as day. So I see, I do see Holland improving. I think moving forward, he's going to see, okay, I was doing whatever I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it for this long, and it would work out for me, right? Last night, he had Brunson all over him. Um, he didn't take an extreme amount of damage or anything, but Brunson was able to take him down over and over again. Holland was very rarely able to escape, and when he did, it was already after a long time being on his back. I think he realizes or will realize that at least in practice, he's going to need to listen to his coaching staff, work on these drill, 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 these techniques in order to get off your back, not get taken down, um, all things involved in that part of the sport. I still think no matter what, we're going to see chatty, talkative, Kevin Holland in the cage. I just think that's how he deals with the nerves. He deals with the, you know, kind of the pressure and the enormity of what it feels like to be in there. I just think that's his, that's his way of dealing with it. So I think that's here to stay. I do think that at one point or another, he's going to realize, hey, look, I fucked up last night. I got, you know, I, I need to get better on my takedown defense. I need to get better on getting up off, off of my back. Travis Luter is a fantastic coach and I need to listen to him. So I think he will make some improvements between last night and the next time we see him in the cage. So thank you so much, my dear friend. Yes. All right. Let's go into the homie APB. APB, what do you got for us this week? What should Almeida's game plan be to beat O'Malley? I'd love to celebrate another O'Malley loss. He's got weak ankles. Should Almeida leg chop his way to victory? <laughs> I love the slide in shade. He's got weak ankles. Weak ankles. <laughs> I love it. APV, man, that was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think, and again, I pick Sean O'Malley to win this, but I want Almeida to win, just like Drea does, right? Yeah. So Almeida's game plan for me, if I'm his coach, is 
Yes, for the first round, stay away. Sean is super tall. He's super rangy. He's kind of falling in love with his hands as of late. So try to stay away. Absolutely chop him down. Leg kicks, calf kicks, high on the knee. Doesn't matter. Just chop, chop, chop that leg. Get out of the way. I think once that leg were to become compromised, which it will, then Sean will not only slow down, but his punches will have a lot less sting and steam on them. At which point, Thomas Almeida, who remember, before he ran into Cody Garbrandt, was on a really long win streak. He is a good fighter. He's got strong hands. I want to see him jump in and jump out, right? Jump in, flurry, land two or three, or at least throw three, throw two or three, and then get out, right? Get out, come back in. You know, if, as long as you limit Sean's movement and his ability to fight tall, I think Almeida, Almeida has a pretty good shot. So, yeah, leg kick, chop him down, and then the second round and the third round, if it goes that long, flurry and get out of the way. That's what I would do for Thomas Almeida for his game plan. Thank you very much, APB. And then I know we got one more coming from the homie up in Canada. Rage Sweet Potato, what do you got for us this week, dude? To be completely honest, I, for one, am frankly glad that JP and Cheyenne Buys lost their respective fights last night. I'm not a fan of the UFC pushing pairs of fighters, be they couples or siblings, as it always feels like one is riding the other's uh, wave of success. JP got clanged by Silva last night, and Cheyenne got dominated by Ruiz, who looked like she's been perfecting that headlock since elementary school. After the fight, the two women were rather unsportsmanlike, exchanging words and birds. Do you think we will see either of the buys back after their performances last night? And if not, might this be the end of the UFC's couple experiment? I like the uh, words and birds. Where I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Heard that before. <laughs> so I actually do. See, I actually do think we'll see both of them uh, give it at least one more chance in the octagon, right? Um, the couples on the same card thing doesn't happen very often. Um, I have definitely seen the siblings deal happen a lot more, not just in MMA, but a lot of times in boxing. Uh, I probably have seen siblings fight on the same card, you know, a couple hundred times. It happens a lot more often in that sport than it does in MMA, but we, you do, you do see it. You know what I mean? Um, the only, I don't have a huge issue with it. The only issue I do have is I feel like for a lot of people in that situation, you are not completely focused on your own fight. You are worried about your, your, your significant other or your sibling, or, you know, you're just not focused on exactly what you have to do. It's a distraction. And I think when you have that distraction, you're not going to fight as well as you normally would fight. Um, I think you're right. I think there's something to be said about kind of riding the coattails of the other person. I think that absolutely does happen. Um, but for me, it's far more about the focus factor. Do I think we're going to see that very much in the, in the future? I mean, maybe I, I don't think so. I, you know, there's not a ton of them to begin with anymore. I mean, I think there was more back in the day, uh, you know, more often, I don't think there's as many now. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I see it. That's how I see it, dude. The, the 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 main problem I have with it is that it distracts from one or both of them, so you don't get their best performance in the cage that night. So, Rage Street Potato, once again, a fantastic question from my homie up in Canada. Thank you so much, my dude. So, Drea, you have knocked out your world-famous drop of the night, your Twitter questions, and our picks for UFC 260. So, your Sunday is a wrap. So, I hope you have a enjoyable 
uh, relaxing. Hope you don't have to do laundry again. <laughs> That's what I do on Sundays. Right? Every Sunday, is it? <laughs> That's and, pretty much every Sunday. <laughs> and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that not only two that weeks I ago, your not, only, not only last week, but <laughs> last night, Drea, I'll pick the Rhino yet again. So the belt is clearly over on her end of the of the spectrum right now. She's whipping me up. She's beating me up in the corner. She's leaving me for dead. Drea's kicking my ass. All of the things. I'll, I'll be above. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how we get after it for next week, Drea. And once again, thank you so much for being on my future player. All right. Talk to you next week. All righty, folks. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. And our first one comes from my homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Now. Over the years, we've seen a lot of fighters get into, uh, you know, different side hustles, entrepreneurialistic ventures. You know, Connor had Proper 12. Masvidal copied him with Recuerdo, Mezcal. Nick Diaz is coming out with his own tequila. And recently, we've seen uh, some fighters venture into the food side of things. Dustin Poirier making his own hot sauce. Uh, Daniel Cormier has like a franchise for like a Poke Bowl restaurant or something like that. But my question for you is this. If the Rhino were presented with an opportunity to put his name on on some sort of food thing, I know you ask a lot of your guests food questions. What would you want it to be and why? Looking forward to your answer. Love the show, brother. Yeah, anybody who knows the old Rhino knows I am a psychotic iced tea fan. I love iced tea. I drink it constantly. I've been trying to cut down on it a little bit lately because, you know, a lot of sugar in most of those things. So there are obviously several brands of iced tea that are out there, you know, Lipton Brisk, what have you. But most are too sweet for me. And then some are just kind of really bland, right? So if I were to come up with the Rhino's iced tea, this would have the flavor of the really expensive stuff, you know, the pure leaf, the good stuff, but it would be made with all natural ingredients. And I would try to figure out a way where it could be far more affordable, right? So like like Arizona iced tea price, but like the highest in like ingredients I could find, right? Everything be affordable. A little bit of sweet, a little bit of lemon. That'd be the only that'd be the only flavor, right? It'd be the Rhino's signature proprietary blend. A <laughs> little bit of sweet, a little bit of lemon, no raspberry, no peach, no Arnold Paul. Palmer's, no, none of that stuff. One flavor. No, 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 sir. Just the Rhino flavor. Um, and again, it would be light. It would be refreshing, ice cold, quality made, recycled plastic, for, recycled plastic for the bottles, high quality iced tea, Rhino iced tea. Look for it on your shelves 2022. We'll see if we can make it happen, Captain. So if you guys haven't already, of course, check out my friend Juice uh, and his co-host Leo at the Friendly Sparring Pod uh, and check those guys out. Give them a listen. They are awesome. All right, I know our next one comes from my homie up in Canada, Decrons. Decrons, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, my brother? Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to hear your thoughts on weight cutting. You know, watching Julia Stolarenko collapse twice on the scale like that, that's, that's no good. I prefer to see fighters fight closer to their natural weight anyway. Uh, what can we do to remedy this? Uh, is it what, you know, the normal suggestions, adding more weight classes? or um, putting restrictions on the cut itself. Um, I just don't know what to do. And my heart goes out <laughs> to, to my raging panda. I love her. I want to see her back in there. She's had a couple fights drop off that were beyond her control. I, I don't like to see that. I love her. And um, just want to shout out my buddy, Sean. Love you, brother. 
and the whole Rhino gang gang. Happy Sunday, folks. Oh, weight cutting, man. It's a it's it rears its ugly head yet again. We saw another example of a uh double fainting, if you will, on Friday. I hate that. I hate seeing that. Uh, it makes me so like scared for the fighter who's experiencing those things. I, I've talked about this before many, many, many shows ago. I think a restriction of 10 pounds, dude, that's kind of what I'm in favor of. I think, of course, people uh, could see like on paper, it would make sense to have more weight classes. I just don't think it's going to happen fast or, you know, or at least fast enough for that to actually take place. Um, I really would like to see the situation right itself by commission stepping in and saying, let's say, I don't know, like a week out, you can, you, you, they weigh you and you, whatever you weigh, you're not going to weigh 10 pounds less than this. Right. So yes, you're going to be fighting closer to your natural weight class. I always think about back in, you know, like the Japan promotions where those guys almost all fought right about, about their walking weight. Like if you, you know what I mean? And, and there was, there was never, you never heard of this from those promotions. And, and there's a lot of other places where it's like, it just seems to be you fight much closer to weight class than the UFC. I, I We see these terrible weight cuts. I remember, and I often go back to this because it was so poignant, when they had that film of Cyborg cutting weight and she was scream crying, like, I'm dying, uh, while she was in the tub. Cutting weight, dude, it made me sick to my stomach. I hate it. I hate when people cut so much weight that they get sick and faint. Eventually, dude... We're going to have a situation where someone's kidneys fail or worse, and none of us want to see that. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, weight cutting is going to happen. There just has to be a a level or a measure put in place where you can't go past X, Y, or Z because that's going to keep more people safe from going on the, you know, going off the deep end and trying to cut, you know, 15, 18, 20 pounds in 24, 48 hours and them getting sick or really doing damage to their body. So great question. Uh, D Kronz, thank you so much for asking me, my dude. And I'm all for shouting out your friends uh, when you're calling it out and leaving a question for the old Rhino gang. I'm all about it. So keep it, keep it coming, man. No problem at all. Thank you so much. D Kronz. All right. Before we get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Dalton Hercules Rasta, let's go ahead and get a quick word in from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All right, everybody out there in podcast land, we've got a very special guest for our 
Joining us with 10 rounds of Rhino today is undefeated Bellator middleweight, the toughest man to be named Dalton since the movie Roadhouse, Dalton <laughs> Hercules Rasta. Thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, dude. So we're just three weeks out from your uh, from your Bellator, next Bellator fight, so we are super stoked to have you on at this time. We know how busy you are. So Dalton, round one with Rhino is always the same. We love to hear the backstory. How'd you first get involved in this crazy sport of MMA? Um, you know, growing up, I, I I started out wrestling, and then I dabbled in a little bit of boxing, a little bit of jiu-jitsu, and then came back around the wrestling uh, around in high school. And I was just wrestling and playing football in high school, stopped the boxing and the jiu-jitsu just to focus on those two. Went to college originally at Seton Hill to uh, wrestle, and then I eventually transferred to play football at Youngstown State. Uh, after I got hurt at Youngstown State, that's whenever I got back into MMA. I made the transition back into boxing and jiu-jitsu, and I was already doing, uh, you know, wrestling still, you know. So um, the the transition was pretty easy at that point. I was always a fan of the UFC and MMA. And, uh, you know, people like Chuck Liddell and Leo Machida and John Jones growing up, like the, those guys were my idols, you know. And uh, it, they... I mean, I was always, like I said, always interested in the sport, but uh, with my wrestling background and how fast I was progressing in jiu-jitsu and boxing, uh, it just made sense. And uh, it's something I truly enjoy and I look forward to doing every day, going to practice. And uh, one thing led to the next and here I am. Awesome, dude. Now you are 4-0 as a pro, but a lot of people may not know you were 7-0 and as an ammy, all by stoppage, by the way. What do you think is the biggest reason for this incredible start to your career? I mean, I know it's a slew of things and there's a lot of different components, but if you really had to boil it down, what do you think is the biggest reason you've been able to jump out to a undefeated, complete career thus far? Um, I'd honestly say my biggest thing is my mindset. And, um, you know, going in there with the intention of finishing every fight. And there's a lot of people that say they're built for this and they were born for this. And it gets a little bit cliche at times because you see all you hear all fighters say that. But um, whenever I say like I'm coming back with my shield or on it, I legitimately mean that, you know, and um, going in there with that mentality and knowing that I'm truly here to, you know, fight the best of the best and dominate everybody. Uh that that's what got me this far, you know, and not only during the fights, but in my training. That's that really probably uh, piggybacks onto my next question. So, dude, you didn't have like a regional scene portion of your pro career. Uh, you went right from the Amis right into Bellator, obviously one of the biggest promotions that there is. So do you think that mindset is kind of what was able to get you to get uh, from the amateur career to being in a huge promotion with the brightest of bright lights as opposed to starting out like most fighters do in more of a regional pro, uh, pro scene? Yeah, and uh, obviously, like you said, my amateur career uh, going 7-0, and and then I also had a 7-0 and stint in uh, boxing as well, amateur boxing as well, and then my wrestling background, wrestling in college, uh, throughout high school. Uh, I'm a very well-rounded fighter, and I keep getting better in each area and i was showing that every single fight and i was finishing people i was i was having exciting fights you know uh i was drawing a big crowd and eventually bellator heard, heard about me and they seen my credentials they seen my background they seen everything was there 
you know do do you have the looks do you have the the fight the fighting skills do you have the the it factor do you have all all these things that these big promotions look for and to them i had it you know and they were willing to sign me straight out the gate of the amateurs you know i didn't have to go through the regional scene like you said and uh, they obviously thought I was well above that. Dude, you are from Pennsylvania, but as we're talking right now, you are in Florida training. What prompted the move from uh, your home state of Pennsylvania down to Florida uh, for your training camps? You know, so back whenever I was wrestling in high school, whenever I got better, it was always going other places, reaching out outside of my uh, comfort zone. And when I wrestled in high school, my dad was always constantly looking for the best wrestlers in the state around my weight, you know, whether they be, I wrestled in double A, so he always tried to look in triple A. So I'd be wrestling against guys that I wouldn't see during the, or in the postseason. And uh, I was traveling to Dubois, I was traveling to Boardman, Ohio, to Reynolds High School, who's known for the wrestling, who has a wrestling culture there. And they had state champ after state champ after state placer. And I was wrestling year-round, and when all my friends were going on vacations and enjoying their summers, I was going five days a week, six days a week to wrestling practice, you know? And uh, not only was I giving my time and my effort, but also my dad was as well. And, uh, I mean, that meant a lot to me. And I seen my progression from that. So whenever I'm thinking about MMA, I'm thinking the same thing. You know, at first, you know, the the learning curve, my learning curve was really like really fast at first. You know, I, I improved very quickly. It progressed very quickly. And I stopped having uh, so much competition at home. You know, they're back in PA. I had good training partners. I had good coaches, you know, but um, I began to become comfortable. You know, I was I got to that point where really nobody was forcing me into bad situations or like I was always winning the rounds and everything. So uh, just thinking back on wrestling, what I did whenever I started doing that at my high school, I started going other places. I was like, well, now it's time to do the same thing in MMA, you know, and don't get me wrong. I was doing a lot of traveling back home, like sparring with different people from Akron, from Pittsburgh, from Youngstown, doing all that traveling there. But I think it was time to go somewhere that had a big name that had a lot of big name fighters and had a lot of big name coaches and I can get everything all at once. And every single round I can get with a different partner that was going to push me. So, uh, American top team was the move to make. Makes total sense to me, dude. Uh, your next fight is April 9th that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, that's for Bellator 256 Bader versus Machida two. Uh, you are fighting, uh, Tony Johnson. What do you think he brings to the table? Like, what are you looking for in that type of uh, in that fight with against Tony Johnson? Well, he's a good fighter. Obviously, he's nine and two, uh, and he was ten and one as a professional boxer. He has good boxing uh, in in the cage as well, you know. But I think he's really heavy on his front foot. I think uh, he makes some mistakes, you know. I think he, he sits in the pocket for too long, and uh, I think he becomes he develops patterns in his fights where. Uh, you start to tell, you know, and you see what he's going to do, what he was doing before, and he tends to keep doing that. So, um, from what I've seen, I, like I said, I think he's a good boxer and he has good takedown defense as well. But I'm the more rounded, well rounded MMA fighter. I think I'm a better boxer than him. I know I'm a better boxer than him. 
you know, on paper, he just looks like the better boxer. Uh, I've seen him get clipped in multiple fights and hurt in multiple fights, you know. Uh, his one submission loss, although it was years ago, he got hurt with a right hand first and dropped, and the dude took his back. Right. Dropped him. There was a couple other fights that he won, you know, unanimous decisions. Uh, one of them he actually won by knockout, where he he was winning the fight the whole time, you know, but he got rocked a couple times. And uh, I'm, I'm watching these fights, and I'm like, why isn't this dude, like, you know, pulling the trigger? He's hurt. He's wobbly. His legs aren't under him. And they, they let him recover. And he ended up coming and winning the fights. And then the same thing, you look at the Joe Schilling fight. Good boxing, you know, but uh, I think because of the pressure that Joe Schilling was putting on him, he was having a lot of trouble, and you could tell he didn't feel comfortable on his feet, and he was losing the fight. He was uh, he was down two rounds, uh, and in the third round, he ended up getting a knockout, you know. But uh, So he ended up winning the fight at the end of the day, but it's not like he's this invincible fighter, and he has this outrageous fight, this outrageous power, and he's this untouchable boxer because he's not. Totally understand what you're saying, dude. I vividly remember the uh, the Joe Schilling fight against Johnson. Uh, dude, moving, uh, switching gears a little bit. Anyone has seen you can clearly understand how you got the nickname Hercules, all right? But uh, where and when were you, did you get that nickname? Where did you pick that one up? Uh, so whenever I was I, – I just told you I was going around sparring in Pittsburgh, in Akron, Youngstown. So I started going to a gym in Youngstown, Ohio, where the, there's a lot of – you know, there's a rich boxing history in the Youngstown. You have Kelly Paddock, you have Harry Arroyo, you have a lot, you have Boom Boom Mancini, you have all these big name boxers in that area. So it's it has a rich history. You know, it trickled down. You know, the people still still a lot of good trainers over there. So I went over to Youngstown. I got recommended to a coach, Sam Caldrone, who uh, uh, he was a really good coach. I became close with and everything. So I started going down there working with him a lot and. Uh, one day I was hitting the pads, you know, it might've been my second or third time hitting the pads in there. And there was a lot of people in there that day. And one, I'm just focused on hitting the Mitch, you know, he's a, my coach is a really intense coach. He's focused more on intensity than technique back then, which I mean, I had mixed feelings about, but, uh, so I'm focusing on the mitt work. And next thing you know, in between rounds, I look around the ring, and the whole entire gym circled around the ring. Or actually, just they squared around the ring, really. And uh, I'm like, what the hell is this? Why is everybody watching me? I'm yeah. thinking to myself, you know, and I didn't actually say that out loud. And then next round, I'm cracking the pads hard again. And then Ron, um, older guy in his 70s who used to be one of his, uh, Muhammad Ali's sparring partners, came down to the gym just for, like, for the love of it, because he enjoyed it, you know, stay in shape, stuff like that. And uh, he was always down there clowning around and stuff. And he, like, started making, you know, positive remarks and stuff about the way I was hitting the pads, like, saying, oh, he, he has so much power, he's, he's strong, blah, blah, blah. If he hits somebody with one of those punches, they're going out. And he would always make these comments all the time. And one day he just started calling me Hercules. He was like, you <laughs> mind if I call you Hercules? I'm like, no. And he's like, all right, I'm going to call you Herc. Short for Hercules. <laughs> he's like, you built like Hercules. You hit like Hercules. And you strong. you're strong like Hercules. And from that point forward, every time he would introduce me to somebody new, somebody new would come down to the gym. He would make sure to introduce me first to the person. And would always introduce me as Herc. Wouldn't introduce me by, I don't even know if he knows my first 
I, dude, I love that. I love the origin stories of nicknames. I almost ask every fighter I have on there. That's so awesome, dude. So, you know, it's funny. You just mentioned Ray Boom Boom Mancini. So next, Dalton, is a trivia question for you. What do you, TV star Ed O'Neill, boxing legend Ray Boom Boom Mancini, and NASA astronaut Ron Parisi all have in common? Hmm. You, Ed O'Neill, Boom Boom, and NASA astronaut Ron Parisi. What do you guys have in common? What do we all have in common? Oh, geez. Do you, you want a hint? You want a hint? You just yeah. mentioned it. You just mentioned it a little bit ago. It is a higher education institution of learning. Uh, we all went to Youngstown State. Yes, sir. Youngstown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Again, and shout out to Youngstown for one of my favorite 30 for 30s ever. Youngstown, boys. With uh, Maurice Claret and uh, and the coach, man, that was one of my favorite thirty for thirties ever. So yes, dude, you want to talk about diversity in uh, impact on my life? I loved Ed O'Neill as an actor. Big Boom Boom Mancini was somebody I used to watch all the time, and then I was a big nerd about astronauts as a kid. And I remember Ron Parisi. So, oh, very very cool, bro. So, dude, one quick assessment from an outsider watching your fight style would be: okay, he's a really good wrestler, and he's got huge power. But what are some things about your game that people maybe haven't seen yet that you really feel confident in when you're uh, implementing your game plan in the cage? Well, I think a lot of people, by watching me and by looking at me, you could tell I'm athletic and explosive as well on top of the power and on top of the wrestling. Sure. So my, as with the boxing and jiu-jitsu, my learning curve can be very quick. And when I get introduced to new techniques and I like them, you know, I become good at them very quickly, and uh, you, you could see me develop new techniques and new weapons for my arsenal in between fights. And uh, there's a lot of things that a lot of people haven't seen me throw yet because I keep them in my back pocket just for whenever I need them. You know, you no nobody is ever supposed to show all their tricks. You know, sure. At the end of the day, you're only going to pull them out whenever you need them. You show all your tricks, tricks. Everybody knows all your tricks. It's easy to prepare for you. But if you watch all my fights, I fought a little bit differently each and every single fight. So um, going forward, I think you could expect the same thing, and you expect me to do. You you could you could you can expect me to throw new things and expect me to see things that you haven't seen me do before. So just because the tools haven't been brought out of the toolbox doesn't mean they aren't sharp, is what you're telling yes. me. Yes. Yes, sir. I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. All right. So you're right in fight camp right now. There are pretty um, strict kind of rules as far as what you're probably putting into your body and uh, whatnot. But I'm talking about this question is for after the fight, after the training camp is over, you've already won. You're hanging out with the family and the friends. And it's time to really get get in on a great meal, a meal that you love to have, but you don't really get into during training camp. What meal are you going to and where is it from, dude? Uh, I, lo I love the way you put that right after the win. Enjoying your time with all <laughs> yes. your family because this is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, yes, sir. Right, right after the fight, when I'm at the casino, you know, I'm going to go get some chicken parmesan or some pizza somewhere in there. <laughs> but whenever, whenever I get home, whenever I get home, it's 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 going to be the same thing. But from probably um, either I would say, shoot, I, I really like Cheesecake Factory. I'm not going to lie. I really like Cheesecake Factory. I like the uh, spicy chicken chipotle pasta from there. And then I like getting the uh, hazelnut cheesecake. But as soon as I get home, I'm going to have uh, some strawberry pretzel dessert ready. Uh, my girlfriend's uh, grandma 
is making it for me, and I'm going to have that ready for as soon as I get home. And, uh, <laughs> that's going to be one of the very first things that I eat, and then uh, I'm going to be eating a lot of pizza. A lot nice. Of pizza. <laughs> So, Dalton, we have uh, we have careened our way to the 10th round. And the 10th round with Rhino is where we kind of get your socials out. So my homies in the Rhino gang, can we, we can all kind of follow you easier on your career moving forward. We can all tune in on the 9th to watch your fight on the undercard of Bader Machida, too. So what are your socials so we can all kind of keep tabs on what's going further for Hercules' career? Well, my Twitter is Dalton Rasta. Uh, my Instagram is Dalton underscore Rasta. And uh, my Facebook is Dalton Ross to MMA. Um, those are the three ways you can follow me. I'm most active on my Instagram. So if you want a quick update or the most recent updates, it's probably going to be on my Instagram. Sounds very cool, my man. Well, again, Dalton, I know how busy you are right now with Fight Camp being in full swing. But, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time out to go 10 rounds of Rhino today. And we absolutely look forward to your fight that night and watching you progress as your career moves forward. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is Dalton Hercules Rasta, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Once again, very cool to sit down and talk with Dalton Rasta, man. He, his fight's just three weeks away on the undercard of Bader Machida 2 on Showtime. Really looking forward to seeing this guy live. Um, I really appreciate him sitting down and taking the time to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So um, let's go ahead and get into our thank yous for our Contributors to our forum this week, we had Scott, my man, Nolan. We had Jess, the Scream Queen, Supreme, my girl, APB, the homie RSP, Juice, from the Friendly Sparring Pod, the homie D. Kranz. I also want to shout out some other members of the Rhino Gag, of course, Mr. B, Sin City Sarah, Brat, Miss Fight Diva, Cyrus King, everyone in the PRG, Angel, Jim Soon, Mike and Kairos from the Shots Fired Pod, Unsolicited, my girl Pokemama out in Cali, Unmatched Pod, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, Jillian, Jason, Chrissy, and Monica, my underdog MMA fam, of course, all the bros at Dodge Sports, Ashley the MMA nerd, and her beautiful new profile pick, spot on, fantastic stuff. Of course, the homie mixed the band from up in Minnesota. Definitely want to give a shout out to the Triple D, Drea, the feature player. Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design. My man, D. Reigns, the greatest, best, and most professional. Giving a pause for dramatic effect. Engineer of the biz. <laughs> Be sure to check out our merch store, man, at Redbubble. Look, out, look up the link in our bio uh, on Twitter. It is, it is some really cool stuff on there. We've seen some great purchases from fans or from friends over the uh, on the timeline this last week. Everybody, let's be kind. Let's stay safe. Be cool to your neighbor. Be cool to your family. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Kane Sun!